0: Hospitality Meets is brought to you by Rotacloud, the people management platform for hospitality teams. With its intuitive drag and drop Rota planner and built in budgeting tools, Rotacloud users spend an average of 66% less time on staffing related admin, leaving them with more time to spend with their customers, train staff, or simply take a well earned break. Head over to rotacloud.com forward slash fill to explore Rotacloud's full range of tools and features and sign up for your 30 day free trial. Welcome to Hospitality Meets with me, Phil Street, where each week we take a light-hearted look into the stories and individuals that make up the wonderful world of hospitality. Today's guest is Mark Reynolds, Regional Executive Chef for Levy UK and National Vice Chair of the Craft Guild of Chefs. Coming up on today's show... Mark
1: highlights that just maybe the army wasn't for him. On the Brecon beacons, I had snot icicles coming out my nose, flares going off around me and I just thought, what am I doing here? Bill holds on to Mark before more pressing engagements. Final question and I'll, I'll let
0: you get off to Elton John. And Mark gives us one of the more outlandish stories we've heard. The
1: dog dogged hurt his poor, so I had to give it a paracetamol, bless it.
0: All that and so much more as we chat through Mark's epic career so far. Mark is at the catering helm of some of London's highest profile venues and Stadia, as well as doing exceptional work with the Craft Guild of Chefs. It's a fantastic journey, starting quite humbly, but moving forward with graft and a keen focus on learning. It's a career that's taken him around the world, and by God, he's got some wonderful stories. Thanks so much, Mark. Before we get into it, just a cheeky reminder to subscribe to the show and drop us a little review. It really helps more than I can say. Enjoy. And a huge hospitality meets. Welcome to Mark Reynolds. Hi, Mark. How are you doing?
1: Hi. Yeah, good for you, sir.
0: Yeah, very good indeed. Where do we find you today? That looks like a nice room behind you.
1: Yeah, I'm uh home this morning uh, and then going to head off to the O2 this afternoon. Uh, we've got Elton John in tonight. Funnily enough, it's the busiest night of Elton John tonight, Monday night, which is unusual. Really? Uh, but he's got a little break now for a few weeks. So, yeah, no, it's a busy night over at the O2 tonight.
0: Very good. Well, I mean, then, maybe then for clarity, just tell people who you are and what it is
1: that you do, that you're not a, a, a roadie for, um, for Elton John. <laughs> Definitely not a roadie. Uh, so I wear I wear two hats. So my main source of income is uh, I'm regional executive chef for Levy London. So I pick up a lot of sites in London. So them being Tottenham, Watford, Brentford, uh, Wembley Arena. I have a CPU down in Felton that we look after that we produce a lot of stuff for Levy. Uh, the Oval, Chelsea, Chelsea training ground, um, the Ladies Ground at Chelsea, and the O two where I'm off to tonight. So yeah, pick up a few units
0: my life. <laughs> I, I did, I, I, I'm flummoxed. I didn't realise that you had
1: all of that going on. Yeah, um, That's uh, a lot of high-profile units. Yeah, if they're all out working in one day, I can have like 22,000 covers going out and have about 1,200 chefs working under me. So yeah, it's a busy, uh, busy job.
0: My God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I suppose you obviously didn't just land here. There's got to be a bit of a story as to how you ended up getting into all of this. So Take us all the way back to the beginning of your career. How did you get into this line of work? In the f- well, how did
1: you get into hospitality in the first place? <laughs> so um, my dad was in the print and then during the whopping dispute decided he was getting out of the print uh, and he actually bought a pub. Um, so I was at the age of 14, 15 uh, and he had letting rooms upstairs. so I used to do the breakfast shift for him. Right. Just, the first thing I can remember of being sort of a trainee chef was someone asked for a poached egg. Out come the practical cookery. I had no idea how to do a poached egg. Yeah. Um, so I carried on doing that in my dad's pub for about a year. Uh, worked with the chef that he had and sort of used to do Sunday lunch. And all that. I thought, well, you know, I wouldn't mind doing this. But actually, my heart always wanted to be a fireman. So I went to really? join the army. Yeah, I went to join the army as a fireman. And they said, unfortunately, we don't have a fire brigade. If you want to be a fireman, you'd have to go in the RAF. And I thought, oh, no, I want to go in the army. So I ended up joining as a chef. I did about nine months in uh, in the army. Uh, I can remember it still now. I can remember it. It was a January night, 2, 3 in the morning. On the Brecon beacons, I had snot icicles coming out my nose, flares going <laughs> off around me. And I just thought, what am I doing here? I, I don't want to be here uh, on this hill freezing. So uh sort of went in, saw my sergeant major and said, look, this is not for me. My passion is to be a chef. But unfortunately, you have to be a soldier first. And I didn't want to be the soldier. I didn't want to be lying in the cold and the ice.
0: Yeah, the not icicles, not uh, your thing then? <laughs>
1: no, it wasn't my thing. Um, but I have to say to the army, they were brilliant. You know, within two, three weeks, they had me out and uh, got me an apprenticeship at the Hilton Group. So, yeah, started off in hotels. And worked my way up really quick. Really, I was the youngest sous chef within the Hilton Group. Worked at Park Lane, went on to the Langham relaunch, and then did about a year with them opening up Hilton uh, Nationals around the country. So we went from Croydon down to Portsmouth, Swansea, and then we went right up to Edinburgh opening up Hilton Nationals, which was good.
0: Right? What do you if you were the the youngest sous chef in the the group of that? Because Hilton's obviously massive. Yeah. Um, yeah. What do you attribute that to? In terms of uh, how do you do? you Did you kind of make a conscious choice that you're just going to get your head down and crack on, or was it definitely. just one of those things that that kind of
1: just you you just end up finding yourself in these positions? No, you de- definitely you have to work at it, you know. And if there was a shift available, I'd always put my hand up to work. I mean, I was earning sixty pounds a week at the time; I wasn't earning a lot of money, right? But yeah, just had the right attitude. Wanted to learn, wanted to work. Uh, I was probably a little bit cheeky, a little cheeky Essex lad. <laughs> um, and it just, you know, I got in with the right people and I was very lucky. I, I worked with some really good chefs. Uh and just, yeah, grew really quick. So I was very lucky really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then just sort of come out of hotels. I, I did a bit of um uh, similar to what I'm doing now really. I worked at Lords and places like that. Was doing a bit of agency work and then uh I was in a hospital, the Nuffield Hospital Group, and um you had to go and meet the patients if you was on shift, and a patient was coming out of recovery. You had to go and talk to the patients, which you say I've never really done before. Just got talked to a lady. She said, "Oh, my son's in film work, so would I be interested working for him?" I thought he was going to turn up in like a burger van, uh, right? But when when we um, when I met him, he had like all these American trucks and American vehicles. So yeah, I, I worked in films for six seven years, travelled a bit of the world. You know, Tunisia with Star Wars and. Uh, did Blade Two with Wesley Snipes, and you know was with Liam Neeson quite a lot with Liam, good few right. years.
0: So what does that involve then? Because um, actually, you're probably the first person we've had on the show that's that's kind of dipped or toe into to that line of work. <laughs> uh, as a as a
1: chef, what are you doing there? Yeah, so initially it was cooking for crew, and uh, we used to call them hoovers, which was the extras because the extras, <laughs> it, it doesn't matter what you put on the table, they'd hoover it up. So they were called hoovers um uh, my wife was used,
0: used to be an extra
1: oh, she? Um, she was a hoover then yeah 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 indeed i'll tell her that yeah <laughs> <laughs> um and then just got sort of cooking for individuals like liam and that on star wars i'd cook for him individually in sigourney weaver but just it, it sounds glamorous and you know i was in prague for two and a half years working out there at Barondorf studios but just being away from home eight nine months a year takes its toll right yeah and then i sort of met my wife now and uh, she said, I've had enough of you being away, it's time to sort of come home, I've done six years here, so I was lucky, I come back, started working at West Ham Football Club Um, and then the team chef kept not turning up at the training ground, so I got a call Mark, can you go down and uh, meet the coach and uh, cook for the players, I mean I had no idea that they had kitchens at the back of the coach and you had to cook on the coach so Glenn Roder was a manager at the time and um, yeah, it sort of did, did the first shift. Then Glenn said, look, I want Mark to be the team chef all the time now. So I spent probably 18 months with West Ham, cooking for him at the training ground, travelling with the boys, cooking for him at the back of the coach post-game when we was away. And then got talking to someone at Chelton and sort of got poached by Cholton Athletic that was in the premiership at the time. Unfortunately, there's yep. no transfers fee for a chef. Right, and no sign-on bonus. No, so, yeah. bonus or- no. so no, I didn't know that. that yeah. it wasn't my first millionaire move. But um, yeah, I did Cholton for about another year and then just got sort of tired of it. I know it sounds crazy, but cooking pasta, chicken, you know, healthy stuff all the time. It got a bit monotonous. And the opportunity came up for me to go to Emirates. A friend of mine was going in as the exec chef. Being an Arsenal fan, I was keen to go to Arsenal. So I went into Arsenal as the head chef. I did... Five years at Arsenal, had some really good time. I didn't really want to leave, to be honest with you. We'd got, got it off to a great place. It was definitely uh, ahead of its time with food and uh, what we was doing at Arsenal. So was is this is this still for the team? Uh, no, this was for the stadium, sorry, at Arsenal. State, right. we, yep. Yeah, into the stadium, Kate. We didn't say the, the Emirates had opened, it was brand new. And it was very different to what sort of we'd seen at other stadia. Um, so it was a bit of a leading light. And then five years in I got told I was going to Wembley. I didn't want to go, to be honest with you. It was a bit really? further travel for me. No, I right. didn't want to go.
0: it, it well, it is a nightmare to get to. Yeah. Like even uh, from central London, it's still especially I can't even imagine what it's like on a game day. I've no. been once when there was a rugby league game on, but that was they only filled out half of the you know, the lower tier basically. Yeah.
1: And even that was a pain in the mm. What's it anyway? Yeah, the journey and uh, what have you. And, you know, I was was told the size of it, you know, you couldn't do too much. And to be fair, when I went there, it sort of probably took me two years to turn it with the food quality and what we was doing. Only because it's so sporadic, Wembley. It's not like a football stadium where you're working every other weekend. You know, you can turn a football stadium pretty quick. So it took a couple of years to get it where we wanted with the food. But, you know, we had the Bobby Moore there. It was doing 1,600 a la carte. It was big, big, big numbers. Wow. First, yeah. the first Jeez. real experience for me doing big numbers. But I really enjoyed it, to be fair. And I probably wouldn't have looked to move. But uh, Tottenham came along and started playing at Wembley and sort of dangled the carrot of a brand-new stadium and uh, what we was going to do over there. And it was exciting, you know. I, I had a year to go into Tottenham uh, and plan everything. I thought I was in a good place. And then the chairman decided he was giving us 10 days to open. Uh, I didn't have any chefs booked. didn't have any food in the building. Oh, um, life. So, yeah, going from Arsenal to Wembley, it, Tottenham definitely pulled on every resource that I had in the bag. But we did it. We got it there. We got it delivered. And, you know, we still get good credit now for food. And, you know, we're still pushing on, you know, even for next season now, we're looking now to push on again. And then I sort of spoke to my boss, what is now, and said, look, I've done football stadium for the last 10, 15 years. I'm getting a little bit bored, Steve. To be honest with you, uh, I need to get my teeth into something else, or else I'm going to start looking outside the organisation, which I didn't really want to do because I've yeah. had a good time with leaving. And um, yeah, this role come up for regional exec, London, looking after all Steve's units, and sort of the rest is history. Really, it's a bit of a whistle stop tour. But I've done. I've done a lot more along the line. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, indeed. Well, I'm sure we'll we'll kind of delve into that in
0: in a bit more depth. But I suppose it also there highlights the power of having a good relationship with your boss because if you can come to him with a, an honest appraisal of where you're at mentally, as much as you know skillfully with the the role that you're, you know,
1: this perhaps not going to get the best out of you for much longer. And yeah, I think you're right there. Like mentally, I, I, I think I was definitely on burnout. Right, you know, the three, four years. I mean, we had COVID for a little while, but to come out of COVID and get it going again, yeah, definitely. I, I, I felt I was on burnout with the stadium and didn't didn't feel that like I could give it the best shot again. Whereas now having the opportunity to step out from it a little bit and see other stuff, it, I've definitely reinlighted me fire to get Tottenham going again next year. But no, yeah. I was definitely, as you say. I was definitely struggling with FC seeing a bit of burnout with a stadium. Yeah. So as a regional
0: now, you're overseeing all of these units. I mean, yeah. and as an Arsenal fan, I mean, you know, it must be tough to go into Tottenham every day, but uh, <laughs> but actually it's a really cracking stadium, isn't it? Like it's it's one of the the world's greatest stadiums now,
1: I think. Yeah. yeah no, and I'm very proud of what we've achieved there. We've done a great job there and uh, yeah, it is one of the best stadiums in the world. It's a pleasure to work out. The chairman's so heavily involved. You know, he walks around personally and, you know, says stuff needs touching up paint-wise. And, you know, if you, if you need some new equipment, and as long as you've got good justification, why? He's happy to do it. It was like, um, we've got our own bakery there. We've got our own pastry area. We've got our own brewery. It was a bit oh, of wow. a sort of story in the beginning. Oh, should we do a brewery? And then the chairman really got hold of it. I'm like, if we're going to do a brewery, let's do a brewery properly. So, yeah, as long as he's a first in stadia, Daniel, to be fair, he's, he's quite open and, you know, looking at doing things.
0: Right. One upmanship on the whole of the world. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's Well, it. I mean, we take a a big lead from the US on stadiums, don't we? The, the US stadium scene is just ridiculous.
1: Yeah, stadium-wise, they are ahead of us, but hospitality-wise, they're very much behind us. Really? Uh, yeah, they right. come over here to see what we do, to be fair. Their hospitality is a hot dog and a burger. That's what they class as hospitality. It's very different. Right. I think it's starting to change a little bit, but they're they're definitely behind us on hospitality in stadium. Interesting.
0: Yeah, I'd, oh. I always would have thought it would be the other way around, but I kind of hear what you're saying. It's uh, yeah. chicken wings and yeah. hot dogs. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's a time and a place, of course. but um, Absolutely, uh, yeah. yeah. So I kind of just want to cover the, the, the this 10 days to open scenario mm. where you find yourself on the back foot, like, I mean that's there's back foot and there's <laughs> there's you know yeah. a, a mile away from where you need to be. How yeah. the hell do you take on something like that? I mean, I know you kind of got to just say in your head, well look, this is where we're at, so yeah. we've got to just crack on and make the best of what we can
1: yeah well, I, and going into the stadium, I was always told I was a bit of a dinosaur. I always right. have a kitchen administrator with me that books my chefs. I'm in control of my own chefs. And I still to this day, I have a board on the wall with all the chefs' names in the areas. And as they come in, we cross them off and I can see where I'm at. So I went along with it and uh, I let them book the chefs upstairs for me. And uh, four days out from the game, I was 110 chefs short for the opening. Jesus. So it was a bit of a light bulb moment. As I say, I, I pulled on every resource and every agency that I'd ever worked with before. And, you know, we got it done and we got people in. But I just never realised, when people were coming to the stadium, I, I'm saying to them, right, you have to go to Stratus West or East, which is on level nine. No one had a clue where they was going.
0: Mm.
1: That that was the hardest thing, opening the stadium, that people right. had never been there before and didn't even know where they was going. So definitely lessons learned there, if ever I do it again. Yeah,
0: well, I don't think there's any uh, further stadiums in the pipeline in London at the moment, although I did hear that Chelsea might be looking Mm. to see what they might do there. but uh, Still uh, undecided. Yeah, absolutely. Great stuff. So, Craft Guild of Chefs, you're Mm -hmm. also heavily involved in that. So just tell us a little bit about it and also then your role within it.
1: Yeah, so the Craft Guild of Chefs is there for everyone, really, not just chefs. And Matt, the chairman who uh, sits above me, I think we've done a lot the past three years. We've definitely tried to change the look of the uh, the Craft Guild of Chefs. If you'd have asked someone four or five years ago uh, about craft guilds of chefs, they probably thought it was a lot of old men sitting around a room and talking a load of nonsense. Right. Whereas now, whereas now on the committee, we've got three or four women involved on the committee. Uh, we've got a young chef ambassador. We've got a wellness ambassador. Everything everyone talks about. Really, it wasn't. It wasn't until we sort of looked at getting a wellness ambassador. I, I hadn't really looked at sort of mental health and all that, and I thought, well, wow, this is. Um, this is definitely something we need to look into a bit deeper. And I went and done my mental health training myself. Um, I I did a week's call just to become a mental health ambassador. And it wasn't until I did the training that we're talking through anxiety one day. And I I realised I had five stages out of the seven of anxiety, you know, just stuff that you do without realising it. And I would have thought most chefs suffer with a bit of anxiety, to be fair. So, yeah, we're a big support route. Big support now with mental health, big support role with bringing youngsters back into the industry. Um, So, yeah, I sit on there as vice chairman. I've got another year as vice chairman and then uh, I should be chairman. Um, So it's a 10-year plan, really. What we do now, you sit on committee for three years, you run a group on committee. You then go into your vice chairman role for three years, then chairman for three years. And then you do a year handover as the chairman to the vice chairman. So it's uh, it's a 10-year commitment as a minimum, really. So it's a big commitment. Yeah, Um, but something I thoroughly enjoy. Um, I'm very heavily involved with Future Chef, which is through Springboard. It's about bringing youngsters into industry, and just being vice chair allows me to go out helping with young national chef of the year, and you know, really focused on bringing people into industry and focused on youngsters coming into it. Really,
0: I mean, what it's essential at the moment. uh, There were you know any positive work that can be done to entice people in. Ultimately, this podcast exists to shine a light on. All of the good stuff because there is so much good stuff that goes on um, that, that perhaps doesn't get the press that it deserves. So yeah, and, and the craft guild. And to be fair, the craft guild of chefs wasn't something that I was fully au fait with until maybe about six months ago. Mm. Um, so it feels like you guys are really putting yourselves on the map uh,
1: yeah. in in terms of you know raising its profile and and attracting attention. Yeah, we've got the app now, which a lot of people are using. You know before. It'd be a case of someone having to contact you to renew your membership. Well, now you can do it all on the app. It's on your phone every day. If you need help, then the helpline's on the app, you know, everything's there. We're doing a lot of work with Burnt Chef Project, which is a great organisation. Yeah. And even, you know, there's a few guys that I went to some talks on there. And, you know, the guys that talk are hardened chefs. One of the guys talks about he'd sort of had enough of his career, had enough of life. When I am started speaking to his dad, and he, his dad broke down crying. He said he'd never seen his dad cry. And that's what changed his life. Right. Yeah, there was another guy that was is going to end his life. He's going to go and throw himself off of London Bridge and uh, heard a karate class going on, went into the dojo, looked to see what was going on. And the instructor come over and started speaking to him and uh, said, like, I'll teach you karate, but there's some other issues we need to deal with first. And right. that was a changing point. So these are hardened chefs, you know, that are running big kitchens and uh, you don't realize that these, these guys are suffering in silence out there. Yeah. So, hopefully, now, you know, talking about it and talking a lot of mental health, you can help people. I mean, one of the things I, I do, I, I walk around, sorry, Phil, everything that's I right. do, I walk around and say good morning to everyone. And that's my time to gauge everyone at work. And by me not saying good morning to, you know, a young commie or someone, a casual that's coming, it might change their day that I haven't said good morning to them. Yeah. But also, the next morning I go out and say good morning again, I can see changing people. And, you know, often or not, I've pulled people in. Is everything all right? Or are you having issues at home? Or, you know, sometimes I can't help, but just being a listening ear. Yeah, so like
0: sometimes all you need, right? Well, not all you yeah. need, but it's certainly the first step in terms of uh, giving people the the opportunity to have that difficult conversation that they're perhaps keeping within themselves. Yeah because it's a pride thing ultimately right I, 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 a lot of the time is that people don't want to be seeing like they are being a burden or mm. uh imparting their issues into in, into the world but actually
1: that's that's how you get past them oh yeah i mean i had some uh i had some life coach tra- training a few years ago and uh i was a typical chef i don't need life coach training what do i want that for <laughs> i mean wasting my time <laughs> I was meant to have four sessions. I ended up having 18 sessions with this really? guy right. and uh, give me a complete 360 on my career. The way I handle my work, you know, like I use, I use the time driving home now from work to reflect on my day. And once I pull up on the drive field, that's me done for the day. You know, I don't yep. bring work into home anymore. Um, and I was probably typical chef. I'd see something going wrong at work, jump in both feet first, screaming and hollering at that person. And then sort of now I have to have consideration of how that person would have felt. So I, I will still deal with the situation, but I might walk off and come back to it rather than right. dealing with it there and then when you're all hot-headed. and So, yeah, for me, having a life coach definitely changed myself, my life, I would say, and my career. It, it yeah. was definitely a, 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 a line in the sand for my career and how to push forward as a person. I think
0: that having the moment to reflect is massively powerful. Uh, and we perhaps don't place enough emphasis on this as a as a thing as you say you your time to reflect is on the drive home so that you you're not taking it into your your sanctuary really Mm -hmm. and um, I've I've found major power in the ability to just self-reflect not even just about it being around your state of mind just about how you deal with stuff and how you how you get through problems day to day and you know did i do that the best that i could no okay what could i have done better etc yeah. etc et it's it's i suppose how we evolve as humans
1: yeah and you know is that how you make that other person feel you know jumping both feet in first you know probably shouting all in front of others how, how do you make that person feel you know just pull them aside have the conversation and i think you'll get more out of them yeah and uh also, I learned, like, I used to be a typical chef. If someone was a bit useless and there was no space for in my kitchen, I don't want these people. What I have actually learned since then is since I've been running big teams, there's a place for everyone. Yeah. There, there is definitely a place for everyone.
0: A very quick word, if you'll permit me. Providing great customer service is all about having the right people in the right place at the right time. And that's exactly where our sponsor, Rotocloud, can help. Rotocloud makes managing your team's rotors, attendance, and annual leave easy. With its simple drag-and-drop planner, you'll be creating rotors for your team in minutes. While its built-in budgeting tools mean you'll know exactly how much you're spending on staffing before sending the rota out. One RotorCloud customer actually reported that they'd gone from spending 25% on their monthly turnover on wages to spending just 19%, all thanks to RotorCloud's intuitive rota planning software. So do your business a favour and head over to rotacloudcom forward slash fill to start your 30-day free trial and find out how much easier organising your team
1: can be. Now, let's get back to it. Um, something I was always passionate about, and i never, ever got round to doing before. Now I've got a bit more time uh, in the regional role. I've just employed a Down syndrome apprentice. Right, OK. Uh, Harry. Probably I felt the team was a little bit low coming out of COVID. We were going through the motions as a team. There was no real camaraderie there with the team um, at Tottenham. And I thought, what do I do? You know, you can take him out for night, you can go for different meals and all that. But I, I thought, I felt at the time we really need to change the, the integral structure of the team, and what will change that? And the opportunity come along for Harry to come into the team, and he's really, he's really changed the dynamics of the team. To be fair, right? Um, they've all took him on board. I think people outside of culinary think, oh, you know, he's going to get you know the Mick taken out of him, and he won't get treated right. But actually, the culinary team as people who work in the chefing industry and in kitchens will know we are a family. And, you know, we spend more time with our family anyway, most of the time. And we work closely together and we know about each other. And actually, they've all embraced Harry. They've took him under his wing. Sometimes he can be a nightmare, I'm not going to lie. But everybody has their moments anyway, right? Yeah. But I think the biggest thing with the team have learned to give him time. He takes a lot longer to take things on board and to learn things, and that's fine. We, we've learned over the last six months that's what it takes. Um, so he began into his apprenticeship as of August, he began to Westminster Kingsway with the other two apprentices. And it might that they should do their apprenticeship in two years, it might take Harry four years. If it takes Harry four years, it takes Harry four years. So, but it. but yeah. he's his, his drive is to be independent, is to get his own flat and live on his own and all that, and that's his drive, uh, which yeah. is great, you know. And he's, de- he's definitely changed the dynamics of the team. You know, we have to think about how we talk around Harry and what you say in front of Harry now. And I think it's been a good thing. And yeah. uh, I'm, I'm really proud that we've got Harry on board and giving someone an opportunity, you know.
0: I was going to say, I mean, it sounds like actually, yeah, there might be some sea changes that have to take place within the way that people speak and all of these sorts of things. But the uh, at the end of the day, that's, that's positive anyway, right? They're, it's just it gives people a moment to think about what they're doing or saying before they actually do or say it then yeah. um then you know you, you you become a more level-headed human being don't you definitely yeah yeah yeah
1: that's how everyone's embraced him in the kitchen everyone yeah. loves it so
0: excellent well um describe you've got all these things under your remit like all these high profile units across london just describe to me what a kind of typical day in the life
1: of you looks like if there is such a thing. Yeah, I would say there's a typical day. Um, to be fair, I think one thing I need to focus on is well, it's been hard for me is that I can't. I'm not. I'm not in charge all the time. You know, um, it's a very different role for me now. I am a bit of a control freak. I do have a bit of OCD, and I like things to be done right. But I've I've had to change my views since it's become the regional role. Not everyone is is up to my standard. I have to understand that. Um, I have some good boys in every unit, you know, and I'm I'm lucky enough to have good good exec chefs in every unit. So one of the first things I've done when I took the role on, was spoke to my boss and said, look, there's no succession planning here. Um, we have to have succession planning in all these units. Guys will move on, they will move about, um, but I need to have number twos under them all. So I've spent a lot of time putting um, structure into the teams now. And now it's just getting out there, meeting them. We've got a lot of new long... Like O2's got two new restaurants we're opening. Chelsea, there's lots of changes happening at Chelsea. And the units that I thought were going to be a bit of a fall in my side, like Watford and Brentford, actually, the boys that run them units, they flow, you know. They're they're as good as gold. The Oval, Josh and uh, Bryn over at the Oval, they're two great chefs, you know. I don't really need to go in and manage them boys at all for me, actually, I quite enjoy going over there. To be honest with you, the, the food they do is is a really good quality, and I'm actually learning stuff from them. You know, I'm not, I'm not afraid to say that I'm learning stuff from them, and I enjoy the fact that I'm learning stuff from them. Like their um, last time I was over there, they were smoking some meat, right? But rather than using wood chips and all that, they were dehydrating their old vegetables, drying them out, and then using that for the smoke. Just, you know, forward thinking with stuff like that. And, uh, yeah, Josh is really good at that. So, yeah, I've got a very diverse team, very different teams. But, yeah, like tonight is 0-2. Tomorrow I'll go into Tottenham. Then I'll go over to Chelsea tomorrow night. I'm down at C- my CPU at Feltham on Thursday. So, yeah, every week's different, which I quite like, to be fair. Yeah. Um, I have a monthly call with them all. I don't get to every unit every week, obviously. Uh, but we have a monthly call in where we, you know, a bit of caring and sharing with each other, any issues that we're having. Yeah. Um, so that's no, great, and I I'm, and I'm very lucky that the units I've took have all got good guys in them. I'm lucky with that, really, which makes my job a lot easier.
0: Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can't be successful on your own, right? You um, absolutely you, not, especially especially with the amount of people and yeah. uh, outlets that you've got. How does it work at, um, like at the O2 as an example? You you just said that there's two two more restaurants coming online there. Yeah. If anybody who's been to the O2 will know that there's a there's a multitude of different Restaurant outlets there. From your yeah. perspective, what do you look after within
1: that? See, so, yeah, anything within just within the O2 arena, really. Nothing outside. Right. So all the stuff on the boulevard is not us. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just the box, like the suites the retail inside the O2, and the Amex Lounge kitchen there. And then we, I say, we're just building a new kitchen upstairs, which, which will be a bit more fine dining within the arena, really. But yeah, no, look, it's a special place over there. I think it's got a lovely feel to it. Yeah, and it's probably gone a little bit stagnant over there, and it's time to push on. And we've got a few new clients over there, and they want to push on. So I've joined at a really good time, to be honest. With you. The same with Chelsea, you know, new owners, uh, they want to push on and do different stuff. So yeah, I, you know, I'm lucky. I've I've joined at a good time. Yeah, uh, some some exciting projects going on.
0: Yeah, without question. You're if you're running at full capacity, how many chefs do you have under your guard? Uh, uh, in total what, across london
1: yeah yeah about 1200 i think it is 1200 yeah, about twenty-two thousand hospitality covers right it's yeah. a lot a lot of people to feed <laughs> it
0: is yeah yeah did you ever imagine that you'd end up
1: here at uh, doing no.
0: this kind of thing
1: not at all you know and i'm very lucky you know i still get to travel a bit now but no definitely not you know i'm very lucky uh you know i say i'm lucky i've worked hard to get where i am yeah. I've worked hard over the years. But yeah, no, I'm still doing a bit of traveling now. Uh, the chairman of the craft guild, Matt, he works for a company called Alliance land, which is New Zealand land. Um, so we was out in Dubai in January, launching uh, a new Lumina lamb, which they do. And then we were, we was lucky enough to go out to uh, New Zealand, February, to go and see the product. And that's what I quite like with my, my role now is that I can bring in quality products and go out and see the stories of this product. I mean, the New Zealand lamb was unbelievable, and it all started from the genetics of the rams. And when we went to see the rams in the beginning in the field, every ram was the same. And right. uh, when you follow the, the lamb through its process of being grown, what they feed it on, what they finish it on. When we went to the uh, slaughterhouse, which, you know, is the something I wasn't really looking forward to, but it's part of the whole circle. Mm. You saw why they do what they do, that each, each carcass that was coming through was the same size, the same fat content. It was unbelievable. absolutely unbelievable. You just don't realize this. Yeah.
0: Controlled through diet, basically. And everyone, every one of them gets exactly the same thing through their, their lifespan. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It was unbelievable. The product is is, is unbelievable, and um, for me, it's, uh, you know, I, it needs a bit of a bit of taste in my mouth mm. <laughs> because I like to use local products where I can. You know, you, you'd rather use Welsh lamb, mm. but actually, sustainability wise and getting it to us, it's it's there's less less. It's more sustainable to use New Zealand lamb, which is a shame, really. But that's, that's how it is. Yeah, right. I that didn't believe it, but, yeah, so yeah. Uh, yeah, it's an interesting part. But yeah, yeah, look, I work with a lot of local suppliers. We we do a lot of work with Wicks Manor now. She's a pork farm up in um, Essex. But yeah, apart from one supplier, most of our suppliers at Tottenham are, are definitely within a 60-mile 60, 60 radius of right. the stadium. So not too bad, really.
0: Yeah, and um, do you get that uh, individuality with each contract in, in the sense of uh, you're allowed to go and... Uh, because obviously you're you're part of Levy, which is a massive company. I assume that you get some purchasing power with that as well, but you you do you are allowed the individuality from from place yep. to place.
1: Yeah, and they encourage that too. If Levy are very good with that, they encourage you to do that. So yeah, yep. some guys up in the Midlands will use different butchers to what we use in London and Yeah. So no, they're very good with that. Up in Scotland the guys are using Scottish products up in Scotland. So yeah, no, they 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 encourage that to be fair, and I think it's good. That
0: we do that yeah I think what I really love about your journey so far is that it 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 feels like the this is kind of correct me if I'm wrong but it wasn't really a grand plan with this this was kind of like uh you enjoy cooking you enjoy being a chef and you've just opportunity has presented itself because as you said back back in the days at Hilton when you were you know the the youngest sous chef there is that yeah. effectively you were controlling your career with your attitude that you just wanted to work. You wanted to learn and you keep cracking on. And then these things have probably just come to you and you've gone, well, that sounds interesting. I'm going to go off and do that for a bit. And then when that's yeah. not interesting anymore, you go, right, well, what's next? And all of a sudden you you end up finding yourself where you are.
1: And to be honest with you, I've never been afraid of failing. I've, I've always like, I'll have a go, you know. If yeah. I, and I've always had enough confidence in myself to, to do that. You know, I've worked in like probably high, high-end high restaurants for 20-odd years, but we was, when we was out in Dubai, we was, we had to cook in a Michelin-style restaurant. So I know on my day, I'm as good as them boys alongside them. And, you know, we, we was out there, we'd done a brilliant job. So I think yeah. that's the biggest thing, you know, have enough confidence in yourself to, to go and have a go. And if you fail, take a step back, reflect on it and go again, you know. I don't, yeah. I don't think any decision you make in your career is the wrong one. At the end of that, your career, so.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and the amount of conversations I've had with people whereby, you know, we can all impart our own life experience of of what it is that we've learned through building a, a career to wherever we've ended up in this particular moment. But,
1: yeah.
0: you know, ultimately, every journey is completely individual, isn't it? That everyone has their own moments in time where there's a stress or a strain that affects a decision-making process that they then go that way maybe instead of that way and there's so many intricate parts to building a career that there's really no right
1: or wrong way to do it right Uh, and stadium to be fair probably 15 20 years ago was frowned upon they probably thought oh you buy everything in and you know but now you know at Tottenham I employed hospitality chefs to do retail because that's the level it needs to be and We've we've got an area called the H Club. You know, the weekend we on one of Tom Kerridge's chefs in Tom Butan from the Dorchester Grill, Alan Williams, the Galvin Brothers, Judy Jew, um, Pip, uh, Brim Williams, sort of Michelin style guys come and work yeah. in our world now. Um, we had Claire Smith down at Cheltenham working for us, and actually they come into our world and they struggle because they're not used to doing the numbers, so they lean Oof. on us for a bit of, bit of help and all that. Yeah, uh, but it's fantastic to you know for me. I, I uh, still to this day I get blown away a bit that I'm I'm in a room and I'm talking to these guys like Raymond Blong and you know, all, I've got their phone numbers in my phone, Brian Turner. You know, I can pick the phone up now and I could talk to these guys, but I was just a young boy from Essex and you know, I worked hard and got my career, but being with a guild and being involved with what I'm doing, it's it's allowed me access to these to these guys now and I even I have to pinch myself now, you know, that I'm ringing these people up and talking to these people but yeah. On a playing field, then there's no reason why I shouldn't be talking to them. You know, they're the nope. same as us. They work hard, the same as we do, and
0: yeah, but, and care, uh, and they care yeah. deeply, right? That's the the thing. I think um, you mentioned in the uh, in in the the form that you very kindly filled out for me before we we spoke about this is that one of the things that kind of gets your goat a little bit is when people don't really care about their craft or don't care about the ingredients or you know they're they're just and I, I think that's one of those things that it, it might take some people a little bit of time to get there, but it's worth going on that journey to get to the point where you give a monkeys right about what it is that you're doing.
1: Yeah, you know, I have simple rules. I I have like I make sure everyone wears a hat in the kitchen. It's just the basic rules, you know. You start the ground rules with these people, and they know they're not stepping into a normal unit. They're stepping into something that's a little bit different. Like, why does this care, this guy care about us wearing a hat? That's the standard that's that's what we work to but yeah and then cut you know coming back caring about the product you know if you, you're prepping a cauliflower and a third of it's going in the bin it, it just infuriates me and as i spoke about going out to new zealand meeting the farmers that putting all this effort into the lamb and you know i've been and met farmers for vegetables and stuff and the effort these guys put in you know mm-hmm. they're putting long hours in to grow this stuff and we have to treat it as much respect you know as they're treating it you know they're putting a lot of love and what they do into their, their craft, well, we have to respect the product the same. And yeah, it infuriates me when I see people not treating stuff with respect.
0: Yeah, I can only imagine. And well, And you've got, especially as well now, as you say, the, the level of capability and hospitality that is available in Stadia catering and venue catering like that is just gone in the last 10 years. It's unrecognisable.
1: Yeah, and you know, it's people... Yeah, I think it's a good thing and sometimes uh, it's a bit one-sided, but I, I think, you know, like Footy Scran and, you know, people like that, they are promoting what we're doing in stadiums. Some some people get a kick in and deserve so. Like, as I say, it's, they're not showing respect for the product. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of them out. There's a lot of eyes on us now and there's a lot of people following us. Padded Seat is another one that we get. We go on there quite a lot. Um, I've been lucky. We, we've always had good reports come back from where it, my, my stadiums really, but some of them really did get a bit of abuse. Really, right? The, yeah,
0: yeah. Good stuff from your career so far. You you must have, given what you've had exposure to in your career and life, you must have some funny stories that you can
1: share with us. Oh yeah. I mean, where do I start? I mean, I got a call last year. Um, mm-hmm can I take a slice and slice of ham and a slice of cheddar down to the players' changing room, it was at, outside of football, right? Well, this is a bit of a strange request, so anyway, there was no one else in, so I took it down there myself. And uh, Tottenham's got a sponsorship with Dulux. and uh, the Dulux dog had hurt his paw, so I had to give <laughs> it a paracetamol. I don't know if it's a career high or low to be fair, I still haven't that one out, uh, yeah, well the- yeah. I've done some mad things, like I was in Slovakia and ten thousand feet up a mountain, digging tables in snow, and you know the food's being dropped up to me on a helicopter, and yeah, yeah. And no, I've done, I've done some crazy things. Uh, yeah, but that's the joy the, of it, right? Is yeah. that
0: they, you must have moments whereby people say, "Right, client has requested this," and your first reaction is, "What? Yeah. No way!" But then the, I suppose the hospitality kicks in, right? And you go, "Well, if that's what they've requested, that's yeah. what we." Make happen, yeah.
1: I, I mean, we had to when I was in Prague I had to find on water for Uma Thurman. Uh, we had to fly lobsters in from Canada for Sigourney Weaver, and yeah, now I've done some, I've done some mad stuff. We, I, I, had to fly back to Prague from Slovakia for Sigourney, and there's me, the pilot, and these lobsters crawling around in a box, and I'm thinking I'm going to die, like <laughs> in this little plane. But uh, yeah, they, they, they were some of the mad things you've done yeah um one of my all-time life films is convoy i love convoy God, yeah, and God, to be that's able, going back some. yeah well shows my age but to to meet chris christopherson and uh you know we went to a golf club one day and he sat there playing his guitar you're just like you know these things yeah. they're they're one-offs so um we did a charity for great ormond street and the who with a band right so like you're stood there watching the who uh, and then Roger thought she come in the kitchen afterwards and all that. These, yeah, there's, uh, there's loads, loads of stuff like that, Phil. Um, we was in Tunisia, and uh, when R2-D2's got two legs, Kenny Baker was inside it, and when it's got three legs, it's remote control, and they're trying to film with it one day, and they say, oh, turn over, and R2-D2 isn't doing anything. Anyway, they opened the top, and Kenny had fell asleep inside R2-D2, so he wasn't shaking R2-D2, so yeah. Um, <laughs> it, must got, it must have been quite hot in there, and uh, at times, course, yeah. yeah. We used to start at three in the morning, and uh, we'd finish by about one o'clock because right. it was just too hot in the middle of the desert to film. So, but yeah, I used to cook for Liam out there personally. Go used to go in the kitchen at night and cook for him and uh, Jake, who plays Anakin Skywalker. He, him and his family were there, so I used to have to cook for them every night as well. You know, it just yeah, it was good. It's good times, but uh, you just can't you can't sustain that lifestyle. Yeah and I suppose in in you know in the moment
0: when the, when that first happens you you as you say you kind of pinch yourself that my god I'm I'm being asked to to do this by Liam Neeson yeah and then and then you know two or three services in it's just like well this is what I do now
1: yeah you do get a bit blase over it i mean I, i'm the most unemotional person about meeting suits celebs and superstars it doesn't <sighs> It doesn't face me at That's all. That's probably
0: why you were destined
1: to do this. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't, uh, yeah. I mean, being on the back of the coach with the players, you know, at West Ham, you just you you'd hear a lot of stories and you're just in and around the boys, really. But people were saying to me, they'd give their right arm to have the job that I was doing. But it, to right. me at the time, it was just a job, you know. and I always did yeah. the best I could do. Yeah, absolutely.
0: What um, what advice would you give to somebody who's listening to this who is thinking, God, that sounds like a, an incredible career how do I get started in that like where where should somebody get cracking if they've got a kind of even a a sniff of an inkling that they they might want to work in a kitchen
1: um yeah look there's there's loads of work out there for for chefing. it just depends what you really want to do I was lucky and as I say I don't think any mistake in your career is a mistake you know I I fell into these jobs most of the time but I've been very lucky with them I, i One bit of advice I always give people if they're coming into the industry is just, you know, remember who who people are around you on the way up because once you get into my position, as you say, it's not a one-man show. You need your team around you. So be respectful to those on the way up, whether it's like for me in the morning saying good morning to the kitchen porter or Mm. a young commie chef. I learned that a long time ago. Always be respectful for those on the way up because once you get to the top, boy, do you need them people underneath you. You know, I've yeah. got guys that work for me now Work have worked for me for 20 years and I'm proud to say that they still work for me.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so I must do something right. My number two, Jed's been with me 16 years now. Um, right. A lot of the full-time team have been with me 10, 12 years. So, yeah, and no, I'm very lucky really. I've got a really good team around me. Uh, a lot of loyal guys. But hopefully I've treated them right on the way up.
0: Well, I think you clearly have because uh, otherwise people wouldn't have stuck around. And you, you, you mentioned luck an awful lot. Uh, throughout your, your career, but mm. I don't think that luck comes along without you having some part to play in that. Uh, I think what what's the old Gary player saying, the harder I practice, the luckier I get? Yeah. Uh, I think, I think with uh, it,
1: every every company I've worked for and everyone I've worked for, I've always treated it as my own, as yeah. if it was my company. Right. Um, yeah, I think I think that's the difference. You know, if I've had to put extra time in, I was never looking for overtime, I was never looking for days off on top. It was just part of the job really. I would just do what I needed to do. And I'm still like that now really. It's not it's not very often I have two days off in a row at the moment. Um we're coming to the end of the football seasons with the stadium, so yeah, working six days a week, but you have to do what you have to do at the moment, you know. Oh, yeah, I suppose you'll get that back at some point in down season. Well, if you do, you do. If you don't, then for me, I, I don't really worry about it. To be honest, yeah. yeah.
0: Very good. So, uh, what uh, final question? And I'll, I'll let you get off to Elton John, uh, as it were. What uh, three reasons would you give to somebody
1: to to explore a career in hospitality? Why should they come in? Oh, there's so many reasons why. I'm, I'm trying to think one, three. I can tell you it's, for me, it's the camaraderie. You know, it's uh, you're never working in an industry. I, I don't think probably. It's similar to the army, really, where that person alongside you on the pass has got your back, you know, and you have to work together and, yeah, definitely Carrari. Um, if you're willing to learn, then it's a fantastic career. There is so much to learn and always to learn. You know, I'm still learning now, as I said to you, with the smoke in the veg over <clears> at the Oval. You know, I've never seen stuff like that. And if you want to, you know, if you want to travel, you can. You know, as long as you learn the basics of your trade, then this trade will take you all around the world. Like it has with me, New Zealand, Australia, Tunisia, you know, I have been lucky. I've been around a lot of the world. There's a lot of chefs that don't, and unfortunately they get stuck in a place. And if they haven't got the confidence to travel, but as I say, for me, there's no mistake in your career. If you, if you make your choices, you stick with your choice and uh, go with the flow. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So yeah, there's, there's lots of reasons. And, Definitely one to uh, explore if you're if you're keen on it. Um, it, it. Just you know, little things for me is timekeeping. If I'm employing someone, I expect people to be on time, and you have to have a willingness to learn. As long as you've got them two traits, you can work in the catering industry.
0: Yeah.
1: Timekeeping and have a willingness to learn, a little bit of respect, you'll fly in your career. It's yeah. as simple as that, really.
0: Wonderful. Well, I mean, that seems like a, a wonderful way to wrap it up. Uh, if people want to get a hold of you to learn more about what you're doing or or anything that you've got your head in, what would be the, the best method for them to reach out to you?
1: Yeah, the usual social media channels, you know, Instagram. I'm on there, London Regional uh, Chef, obviously Craft Guild of Chefs. Um, if you go on the app at the Craft Guild of Chefs. There's about 12 of us on there. You you can reach out to a Twitter. There's 12 different like Andy who runs the mental health. You can reach out to Andy or anyone within the the guild committee really can reach out and uh, yeah. Usual channels, Twitter. Everywhere. Basically. Everywhere. Yeah. everywhere. (laughs) Excellent. Well, thank you
0: so much, Mark. It's been a a joy to, to chat to you about your, your journey. Uh, You've got a a hell of a lot to get your head into over the next while, I'm sure. And, um, yeah, I wish you all the very best with everything that you've thanks got going a lot, on.
1: Phil. Good to meet you. Cheers. You too.
0: Cheers. Thanks, mate.
1: Bye-bye. No Bye-bye.
0: And there we have it. What a career Mark has had so far, and the things he's been able to see and the stories he's got is just wonderful. More importantly, what he's doing to try and affect the industry is superb. A massive thank you to him for giving up his time. We'll be back, as usual, at 8pm next Wednesday for another story from hospitality. So until then, thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next week.